Hey, squaddies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're airing one of our most popular episodes from the past three years. We have hundreds of episodes now, and lately we've been replaying the most well-received and listened to episodes, and you all have been loving it. We're going to keep giving you what you want and give new squaddies the chance to hear past episodes without having to go digging through the archives. New episodes are still launching every other week, while classics like this are airing in between. Enjoy the show and happy Travel Tuesday. Welcome to the Travel Squad Podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, squaddies. squaddies. Welcome to episode 109 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're talking all about our most recent squad trip to Ecuador. I mean, what a great time that we had in Ecuador, ladies, right? Yes, yes, It we was did. an OG squad experience. Zeno's with us. But most exciting and a little bit weird about this trip was that it was our first international getaway since COVID. And by that, I mean outside of going to Mexico, which is our friendly neighbor to the south. We live right by, did a lot of that. But it was really weird being the first time flying to a new country since COVID. So a unique experience in that, right? But really really, really fun time all around in Ecuador. Enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I did too. It felt so good to finally take a real legit trip. And it was great. I mean, I didn't know much about Ecuador going into it. We definitely purchased based on the sale. And I I didn't say this to anybody before, but I was kind of thinking about it like, oh, we've already been to Peru. It's going to be just like Peru. Why did I waste my money booking this? I should have went somewhere I haven't been before. And I was like, it's going to be exactly like Peru. And I was really pleasantly surprised. It wasn't just like Peru. It was very different. It was very cool. I learned so much about Ecuador. We got to go to many different aspects of the country. We didn't even get to see it all. And there's still so much more to see. You know, every time I told people that we were going to Ecuador, it was like, why Ecuador? And I kind of got that same response when we talked about going to China. Why China? But it was one of those things where it's like, why not? Why wouldn't you go here? Well, also when people would ask that, I didn't even really know what to say. It was like, I don't know. I'm just going. <laughs> like, what are you doing in Ecuador? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just visiting. <laughs> well, want to throw out real quick guided tour. Shout out to Gate One. This was Gate another one. Gate One adventure. Had an amazing, amazing time with it. But yeah, I mean, Ecuador is famous for the Galapagos. Islands. If you don't know what the Galapagos Islands are, it's filled with a rich amount of life, sea life, bird life. This is where Charles Darwin actually Mm -hmm. came up with theory of evolution just because of how crazy the life is out there. We didn't get to go to that. Our ventures in Ecuador included the highlands in the Andes Mountains and going into the start of the Amazon. So into the Ecuadorian Amazon. So we didn't even get to see the Pacific coast that Ecuador has. We were in the highlands by the volcanoes and into the Amazon itself. So Ecuador, really cool place for nature. I mean, if you're really into nature, Ecuador is a cool place, has the volcanoes too. So 
I enjoyed it a lot. Really awesome all around. It was an eight-day Ecuadorian adventure through Gate One Travel, coming in at around $1,200 for the booking, which includes everything. Flights, hotels, transportation, tickets to attractions, and the majority of our meals. Breakfast every day, majority of dinners and lunches. I really enjoy guided tours. You don't have to think about anything. Everything is planned. And it's like really cool places you stay, really great food. The experiences are all put together for you. It's awesome. And like if there is a day where they don't include a meal, they'll suggest places for you to go and get a meal. So you don't even have to think about that. Yeah. And the few times we did have to get meals on our own, it was always a struggle. We were like, where do we go? What should we order? What is this stuff in my hot chocolate? (laughs) (laughs) I I will say this, though. The one thing, and we'll probably get to it a little bit later, but just speaking of food as we are right now that I'm going to throw out, my favorite thing about Ecuador in terms of food when we had to get stuff on our own, not that was included for us, which still was Ecuadorian, but not like out in the streets, if you will, and then local restaurants, was the empanadas. And let me tell you this, when we got ceviche in Ecuador, you know, I have a Mexican taste for ceviche here. It kind of let me down. But when I got those empanadas in Ecuador, I said to myself, man, these are way better than Mexican empanadas that I get. So (laughs) give and take in the Latin world on what type of cuisines, even though they kind of have the same thing, each country has its own flair. Those empanadas in Ecuador are fire. So we got lots of tips for you. Lots of tips, 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 tips. Let's give them the tip. All right. So you may need to get vaccinated for this trip. And I don't just mean COVID vaccinated. Yes, that was one of the requirements that you do show your vaccination for COVID-19. But they also recommended getting vaccinated for yellow fever because we were going to the Amazon and also for typhoid. I did not get either one of those vaccines, not because I didn't try, but because my medical clinic couldn't figure out how to do that. But they are recommended, but not required. Right. And so if you're going to Ecuador and you're not going to the Amazon or the Amazon region, you don't need the yellow fever. Typhoid is a type of bacteria that you can get basically from eating dairy. So that one, I don't want to say is like a hit or miss, you know, roll the dice type of thing. But, you know, if you want to play it safe, you can do the typhoid for that regardless of where you go. I think a lot of places, unless you're going to Europe, they always do recommend the typhoid. But yellow fever, again, specifically Amazon region. You'll also want altitude sickness medication depending on where you're going. If you're going to be at a high altitude up in the Andes like we were, it is helpful because you do get out of breath easily in that altitude. You could even feel a little ill like some people on the trip did. Yeah. And the biggest symptom that we saw, which is what we saw in Peru, is like the tingling in your hands and feet. Yeah. Then you'll know you're at a higher altitude. Yeah, you're up in the Andes. I think Quito was at about 8,000 feet. A couple of our hotels and places that we stayed were at 10 and 11,000 feet up in the mountains. So you will be high up there unless you are in the Amazon or on the coast. Ecuador is a very mountainous oriented country and very, very high up. You'll also want insect repellent, especially in the Amazon. You don't want to get bitten up by mosquitoes or spiders. Another really great tip is that Ecuador uses a U.S. dollar, so there's no need to exchange any money. And they also use American plugs, so you don't have to bring any adapters or converters. Yeah, one thing I want to say about Ecuador using the U.S. dollar. So they definitely do, but it's interesting in a way because they will use change like our normal quarters, dimes, pennies, things like that. But also at the same time, they've made their own versions of that. So if you're using whatever dollar amount that you are and breaking it and get changed back, you may get a mix of coins, American coins versus 
versus their coins. They spend the same and are at equal value, but definitely spend that Ecuadorian change first because it's no good here in the U.S., so do use that. And also, I feel like this is every place in the world except for the United States. The United States uses dollar bills. Did not see dollar bills over there. I oh, did. Did you? Yes. I never got a dollar bill back in change. The only change I got back in dollars were always coins. They were like the presidential dollar coins or the Sacagawea coins. I never got dollar bills back. The only dollar bills I saw were the ones that I brought. I had dollar bills. Really? Yeah. Well, it's one thing I hate about traveling to other countries is I feel like a lot of the dollars are always in the coins and it just like weighs down my pocket yes. <laughs> a little bit. So expect that. I love that aspect of it. Well, for a girl with a purse, it's not too bad as a no, guy with a pocket. No, not the coins, just oh. the, the U.S. money. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking so about the coins. I was like, oh, okay. We even <laughs> went to an ATM to pull out some cash and they did not charge an ATM fee. Nice. Another really good solid tip is to visit during the dry season. Now, the dry season is June to September. We happen to be there at the start of September, so we were still in dry season. Otherwise, for the most part, our tour guide was saying rains pretty often and frequently around there. So if you don't want to get wet or be in the rain and want good weather, go during June and September. And some other housekeeping tips. You don't want to drink the water. Drink bottled water. It's sold everywhere. It's pretty cheap. And then you know we have to give you the rundown on the bathrooms. You got to bring your own TP. TP is not guaranteed in Ecuador at all. BYOTP. And shout out Gate One because she would give us a roll of TP that we could pull off of as we're getting off the bus to use the side of the road bathrooms because she knew there would be no TP. You know, and some of the bathrooms, they would have the toilet paper holder outside of the bathrooms, like before you even walk in. So like male or female to grab. But there's like no privacy in that. Like what if you need more? Yeah, you're just like <laughs> pulling down the whole roll. They're like, oh, that's one thing I just like I'm so used to here in the United States and in other countries. I'm fortunate enough that when we travel, I really don't have to go number two out unless like we're in the hotel, which in the hotel, it's a different story. But in those public restrooms, it's just like, man, like sometimes even when they have the attendance and you got to pay to use, which by the way, all these bathrooms that are public are pay to use just like a lot of places throughout the world, except in the United States, they'll give you like a couple pieces of toilet paper. And it's like, what if you need more? What do you mean like a couple? That's crazy. Do you have to pay for a pile of toilet paper? I don't know, but I remember what I remember one of the, the men's restrooms that I went into. I don't know if you ladies paid attention to the prices that they had outside considering our tour guide was paying for us, but they charged a specific price if it was like men just using a urinal versus men needing toilet paper. They charged more. <laughs> Interesting. And you don't throw the toilet paper in the toilet. You throw it in the trash next to the toilet. Which is very similar to what we experienced in Peru. So now that we've wrapped up all of the tips, let's talk about our first day departing Miami and arriving in Ecuador. Yeah, so day one was our departure on Monday. We didn't mention this, except Brittany just kind of touched upon it. We did spend a couple days in Miami because our flights from our tour were out of Miami. On a Monday morning, uh, so we did the weekend before. Absolutely. So we get to the airport and... We're ready for our flight. Super, super excited to get a stamp in our passport for the first time since COVID. And I just want to say here, we used our travel hack that we always talk about. We tell you, we will tell it to you. If you give us a five-star written review, we got ourselves upgraded from coach to premium economy, had our own cabin on the airplane. Nobody pretty much in there. The seats were like two by three by two. We were in the two by the windows, much wider, 
further recline, had foot rests for us. Oh yeah. Super, super comfortable. So again, if you want that upgrade hack, please give us that five-star written review and screenshot it, send it to us, and we will tell it to you. But what a way to start the trip in style getting upgraded. Oh, that was really nice. It was amazing. And so that was about a three and a half hour flight. So we touched down in Quito mid-afternoon, maybe like noonish, one-ish. And our very sweet, happy gate one tour guide is there waiting for us. Also, customs was very easy to get through, like extremely easy. Except for when we got through, um, someone pulled me to the side and I thought he wanted to look through my bag. So I put my bag up on the table and he was like, no. So then he like comes around. Not just someone, like a military dress. Military dress. So he's like, no, no. And then he asks me if I speak Spanish and I kind of do. But anyways, I told him no. So he was trying to ask me how much money I brought. And I did not have the money on me. I only had like $50. So I said $50 and he looked at me like I was an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And then he asked me again and I said $50 because that's what I had on my person. And then he let me go. And I was like, that's such a strange question to ask. But apparently there are like regulations of how much money you can actually bring into the country. So maybe I looked really rich. Sketchy. No, no. So we landed, made it through customs minus Brittany's hiccup. I feel like Brittany always has the hiccup in customs. Uh, last time we flew in internationally London. before COVID, London. Something <laughs> about Brittany is just a little off to those people, I oh think, is what it is. But anyway, I mean, Brittany mentioned this before, but before we get too far into day one and our arrival experience, I just want to mention what requirements there was to enter Ecuador in the day of COVID. One, we actually had to show proof of vaccination. So if you plan to go to Ecuador or even a lot of places in the world right now, they do require you to show proof of of vaccination, you need to bring your vaccination ID cards with you. Second, this wasn't a requirement until about two weeks before we left at the start of September here, but they changed the rule. And by they, I mean the Ecuadorian government. We now had to show a negative COVID test within 72 hours of getting on the plane. So 72 hours, three days. So we took our tests here in San Diego. We got our results back and they didn't check it in customs, but the airlines now are attuned to the travel regulations. And before we could board the plane or even check in, they made sure that our our names matched our flight information and our ticket information and made sure that we showed them a negative COVID test before getting on. So those are the requirements to get in. And I just want to throw that out there. Perfect tip. That's very important to know. And then we drove from the airport to our hotel we were staying at in Quito, which was about an hour drive. We were staying at the Hilton Cologne Quito. Really nice hotel. We got welcomed with delicious blackberry juice. Mm. So good. It's funny. You think it's odd blackberry juice, but blackberry juice is a big thing in Ecuador. Every place we went had blackberry juice. And let me tell you something. It doesn't take us like blackberries that we have here in the States. And then when I eat them, I'm usually not like a blackberry fan, but I, I loved their juice. And what was really good. I don't know what they did of it. If it was like the juice with the pulp or they added something to it, but it had the texture of a smoothie. And I always felt like I was drinking something from Jamba juice when we had it. And that was like (laughs) one of the things I looked forward to every day was having blackberry juice because every day we got blackberry juice. So when we got to our hotel, our tour guide gave us a map and she was like, here are some places to eat around the area. Or if you want to go downtown to like the colonial section, here are some other places to eat. So she gave us some good recommendations and we were all pretty hungry. So we decided to eat right around the hotel area. We went to a place called Mama Clorinda and we had really, really great empanadas at this. This was a traditional Ecuadorian food restaurant and the empanadas, mm, 
this is where the love of the empanada started. Let me tell you that. We got shrimp ones. I think you got a cheese one. And believe me, whenever we have the opportunity to get empanadas from here on out, we got empanadas and all different styles never failed to impress. And they were really, really good. They were big. You know, I knew Ecuador was known for empanadas going in, but I did not know they were going to be that big. Yeah, they were really big empanadas. So we really enjoyed our liner because it was like a lunch dinner situation by the time we had gotten into our hotel in Quito. And then we decided that we wanted to walk from that area down to downtown and we wanted to visit a place called Vista Hermosa, which was a place that was recommended for us to eat at, but we didn't want to eat dinner there. We wanted to go there because they had really beautiful views and get like dessert and drinks. Yeah, so our first day here after landing was pretty much a free day for us to do whatever we wanted. So our tour guide pretty much gave us those recommendations of what to do, what to see, and said, here, have at it. The reason why is because not everybody that was on our tour arrived at the time we did. As a matter of fact, us four, because again, Zaina came with us, plus two other people from our group were the first six to arrive in country, and people came throughout the rest of the afternoon and evening. So after getting those recommendations from our tour guide, Giovanna, we were like, all right, we have to go to Vista Hermosa because she said this is in downtown Quito in the colonial district. And by colonial district, I'm talking these old historic buildings that the Spanish built when they were colonizing and had control of Ecuador, South America. And it gives amazing views in this area, rooftop bar vibes. Kim got sold on that rooftop bar aspect of things. Yeah. So we had walked from our restaurant that we ate at for lunch to the Colonial District and made our way to the top of Vista Hermosa. And it gave amazing views of Quito that we got to enjoy. They had the Spanish music and song playing, creating Mm -hmm. the ambiance. By the time we got there, it was close to sunset. Really, really nice and unique experience. So Jamal and I got dessert and then Kim and I also got hot chocolate. One thing that surprised us was there was something inside of our hot chocolate. It might have been cheese. It might have been tofu. It was definitely cheese. I don't think it was tofu. <laughs> we don't Kim was yet. hard on that tofu. <laughs> it looked like tofu. It tasted like tofu. But it was cheese. It was cheese. Apparently. Yes, because we even <laughs> asked our server and he was like, it's cheese. But it was some type of weird cheese that they had in there. It had no flavor and it was hard. It was interesting. But minus that, it was a great experience up there. The hot chocolate itself was good. Just the surprise inside doesn't meet our local palates that we have. And this is where I learned to say, Se sirve copa de vino tinto? (laughs) Which means, do you serve a glass of red wine? And they did, and I got it, and it was delicious. (laughs) You got your red wine and your hot chocolate with cheese. Yes, all the drinks. (laughs) I just want to stress real quick how much, if you're going to go to Ecuador, I would recommend going to this place, Vista Hermosa. Squad tip, there's two locations. Originally, Brittany tried to route us to the wrong one, Mm -hmm. and we realized as we were getting close to going up a crazy set of stairs that none of us wanted to climb. I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) She said it was in downtown. This is going out in the other way. We Googled it, found there was a different location. So go to the downtown one. But the ambiance that you get being in the colonial district, overlooking the city, being high in the mountains itself, seeing the classic churches that they have there, It's absolutely beautiful, and we got there around sunset time. Really great ambiance experience for a cocktail or even just an evening coffee, tea, something like that to go do. And they do do have heaters on the balcony because it got a little chilly. They turned on the heater. It was perfect. Also on the rooftop, they had stairs up to another level, and it looked like you could have like a private event in that area. Yeah, there was even a table set up with like a heart of red rose petals on the table. Like It looked like a proposal was about to happen there. 
So it took us almost 40 minutes to an hour to walk there from where we originally were in Quito, but we decided to take a cab ride back because we didn't want to walk back in the dark. Cab ride back to our hotel was only $3. Crazy. That's one thing I want to say about Ecuador is we only took this one cab, but from our communication with our tour guide, Giovanna, and other things, taxi rides in Ecuador are not very expensive whatsoever. Granted, we spent a lot of time in the car because there's traffic in the colonial district. Mm-hmm. It's really like old neighborhoods, so was never designed for cars, yet cars are driving in there. So you spend a lot of time. But distance-wise, is still relatively far and only $3. So really good deal on the taxis if you need to utilize taxis in Quito, let alone Ecuador. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, squatties, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you. So all you have to do is download, book, show up and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. All right. Day two was going to the equator. We were so excited for this, but that's not all we did on day two. We woke up in the morning. We had not a buffet, but an included breakfast at the hotel. Gate one at the beginning of every tour does like a welcome orientation kind of a thing. Sat in a circle. (laughs) Yeah, it looked like an AA meeting. We introduced ourselves, where we're from, blah, blah, blah. Had more blackberry juice. Very good. 
And people are trying to outdo themselves. Like, this is my 16th gate one tour. (laughs) (laughs) This is my 15th gate tour, but I have 10 more booked on top of this. There were some gate one diehards on this trip. I don't blame them. Gate one is legit, by the way. I mean, this was Brittany and I's fourth, was it not? Yes. So we're, we're working our way close to being some of those people <laughs> over there when we do the group circles again. And this route of Ecuador was the first time they have done it since COVID. So over a year and a half that they had trips paused. And so we were the first bunch to be back on the road with them. Yeah. So these welcome meetings are really just one so we can meet everybody that we're going to be traveling with, break the ice, get more in touch and in tune with our tour guide. And most importantly, for her to just kind of tell us what it is exactly we're going to be doing. I mean, we all booked the itinerary. We received it. We know it. But just to hear her tell us, hey, this is the game plan. This is what we're doing. This is what we're going to be seeing. So it's definitely a nice little orientation. And then so we started off the morning after that breakfast and blackberry juice and orientation. We did a tour of Quito. So they took us around, showed us the colonial district, explained a little bit more of the history and the buildings that we're seeing. I mean, it's awesome. Some of these buildings date back even to the 1600s. Most of them 17, 1800s, but really, really unique. Took us to an overlook place where we got to see the city itself. And like Kim said, making our way to the equator. So along our tour of the Colonial, we were able to see the Archbishop's Palace, Independence Plaza, the big cathedral, the presidential palace. And bonus, we actually got to see the president of Ecuador in the flesh. In the flesh. Like we were no more than 30 feet away from him, which would never happen in the U.S. No, it was crazy. They were doing some like 200 year independence celebration for Ecuador and Latin America. And wow, he was just standing right there. Yes. So that was exciting. (laughs) And then we also went to a church and it was called La Campania de Jesus Church. And it's so beautiful on the inside. You can't take any pictures on the inside, but it's very beautifully gilded, like gold interior everywhere. And it's just really, really nice and impressive to just enjoy and walk around and gawk at. And something cool about Gate 1 is that you're not just taken on this tour and given all this stuff that's included, you are getting a history lesson of everything you're you're seeing. So it was pretty cool, the background story of the entrance to this church where it was so gold layered everything and it had a really big sun painted on it. These were things that they did to the entrance of the church to attract the indigenous people to the church so that they would convert to Catholicism. So things like the sun and, and the gold and how the sun hit it and gleaned off of it would attract people there and would help the Spanish achieve their goals of colonialization. Yeah, very unique. That's one of the things, too, that I like about guided tours in general is like when you go to someplace in Europe or someplace in Latin America and you're experiencing a city, yeah, it's cool to see the architecture, the buildings, and you may know like, hey, yeah, this is a colonial district. But unless you're actually getting the like the true history and story behind it, it puts it in a different perspective that I think makes the tour more enjoyable because otherwise then you're just going to a city to go to a city. And then if you're not experienced or learning anything about it, then what does it do? But that's just my opinion on it and one of the reasons why I really love the guided tours. So very unique experience in the colonial district itself. So from Colonial Quito, we actually hopped on a bus and we went to go visit the equator. 
it's this really big monument called Middle of the World Monument, but it's not in the middle of the world. Yes. So when they actually built this monument in Ecuador, this is where the official equator was. To the best of their knowledge of doing mathematics and every type of calculation that you can do. Well, once they built it, a few years later with the advancements of GPS and other technology, they realized that this monument itself is not even on the equator. It is north of the equator by about 200 meters, which means 600 feet. So in reality, based off of the technology people had and having to figure this out with basic math of really where it is, to be off by 600 feet is quite impressive, quite honestly. But this monument, they acknowledge it now. It's not really in the real spot. They know it, but it's still a monument to go to that marks the equator. It's the namesake of the country of Ecuador. Ecuador means equator in Spanish, right? So it's a big, big thing for them. But I myself said to the girls, you know what? I'm cool with this. I love it. It's here. Let's take our photos. But I really want to go to the real equator. And I had read online before the trip that there is a place around in that area where you can exit the monument plaza that they do have and you can stand on the real equator. So we asked our tour guide about this. She said, oh yes, it's here. You could go there, do that. So we did that and yet we found the location where it was, but we were unable to go and stand on the official line because where it falls on now is on somebody's private land. They've turned it into a business. You have to pay to get in, which is fine. We would have done that, but they said they don't just allow anybody in. They require you to do it as a tour and it takes about 45 minutes. So we walked about 15 minutes to get there and we're pretty much told that we can't stand on the official equator, which was a major, major buzzkill for me. I'm not going to lie. Major buzzkill. But at the monument of the middle of the world, they do have lots of shops. They have a lot of restaurants. You can get really good pictures. So it is a nice area to enjoy. We did get a lot of group picks that were really nice. And we did eat at a restaurant there that looked out to the area. So that was really cool. And then from there, we drove to Otavalo. When we got to Otavalo, I was like blown away at the resort that we were staying at. It was on a lake. Across the lake was a gorgeous volcano that you had an amazing view of. The restaurant that we would eat at had windows right on the lake. You could go walk out onto the deck. You can sit on the swings out there. There were a bunch of swings everywhere. There was a huge swing that you can take a picture on. Mm -hmm. It was so picturesque, so cute. They had fireplaces in all of the rooms. Some of ours got lit. Some of (laughs) ours didn't. Don't rub it in, Don't rub it in. (laughs) But it was just beautiful. I loved this property, and I was not expecting it at all. I loved it, too. I mean, these hotels if you want to call them that, because I hate to do it a disservice by calling it a hotel. It was almost kind of like a little hacienda in a way. And we had our own little Pueblo or whatever term you really (laughs) want to use. Very, very nice building, had the fireplaces, but there's something to be said about the scenic beauty of being high up in the Andes mountains at the foot of a lake and a volcano. And you Mm -hmm. look across the lake and you see the top of a volcano. I mean, what an amazing experience in and of itself and just the scenic beauty. And I loved it, loved it, loved it because the whole grounds of the resort area were beautiful. We had time to go into that restaurant and bar area, get some drinks, look out onto the lake, volcano, talk with people that are on our tour, get to know them because, again, this is technically really the first official day. So a nice experience all around. And that's where we started having some of the the wine out there where Kim loved to practice her Spanish with uh, (laughs) the requesting a cup of red wine. Yeah, we had our welcome dinner here, the official Gate One welcome dinner. So 
We sat down in the property's restaurant. They welcomed us with this nice warm tea that was like cinnamon and... It had alcohol. It had rum in it, I think. And it it was really good though. I thought it was just a cinnamon tea. And then our tour guide told us, oh no, there's alcohol in there too. And I was like, even better. Like this is good. (laughs) Like it was good. It was really good. The fireplace was going and then we had our meal selection of our app, our main and a dessert. Absolutely amazing. Is this the dinner where you got a little saucy and slurred your words on asking for a glass of wine? (laughs) Well, also a drink was included on top of that welcome drink that you got. So when they came around, I had, like I said, just learned how to say Copa de Vino Tinto. But instead, I somehow said Copa de Tinto Vinto. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny at the time. My gosh. Well, because we were pre-drinking before the included drinks with dinner, too. So we were having a good time and making good use of our first official day on the tour. So at dinner, they asked, who wants their fireplace to be lit while we're at dinner? So Jamal and I are like, yes. Everyone's like, yes, yes, yes. And we get back to our hotel and we're like, there's no fire going. What the heck? So we just (laughs) keep waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing happens. Jamal actually goes back out to make sure that they're coming. They say they're coming and no one came by. Well, yeah, because when we had gotten back to our room from dinner. So again, at dinner, they asked us, do we want our fireplace lit? They're going to send workers from the hotel to light it. When we got back to the room, we actually noticed that we had turned down service. They put a chocolate on our bed. We discovered something in our bed. Very pleasant surprise. Bolsa de agua caliente, which means basically a bag of hot water. And it's a rubber balloon, pretty much, that's filled with hot water. You have a little pouch that goes over it, so you're not actually touching the rubber itself. It's actually really cute, really quaint. And this is their way of heating up the bed. So I thought to myself, like, okay, well, they've been in the room. We've already told them that we want the fire. They didn't light the fire. So I find our tour guide who's still in the restaurant and say, hey, are they coming? She says, oh, yeah. I said, okay, I just didn't know because we already had turndown service. She's like, no, 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 they're going to be coming. Nobody came. I even took my wine that I had left over from dinner. I was like, ooh, I can't wait to have my wine sitting in front of the fireplace. This is going to be nice. And I didn't drink that cup of wine because I was holding out for that fire that never came. Mm. Lo and behold, we wake up in the morning and Kim and Zana tell us, oh, how nice was that fire? I'm just like, <laughs> you're fucking with me, right? No one came for the fire. Like, no, 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 we have a fire. And then sure enough, showed me the burnt wood in there. I'm just like, we did not get a fire. Disappointment. Yeah. But that bolsa de agua caliente fire. I am sold on that for life now. Great, awesome thing. We've just recently bought it off of Amazon. Can't wait till it comes. I loved it. We came in, our sheets were pulled back. There was a little piece of chocolate on the bed. There was a bolsa de agua caliente in the bed. The guy came in shortly after, pitched a fire for us. It was supreme relaxation. You know, the only thing that it was missing was an alpaca rug in front of the fireplace. Keep saying that. Like, where? how'd you get that in your head? She's t- it's an inside joke. We heard somebody one time say that it was one of their, I don't want to say fantasies, but they really wanted to <laughs> make love in front of a fireplace on a rug and a roaring fire, a big roaring fire on a rug. But they wanted like a bearskin rug, but since we were out of the country, you know, an alpaca rug. So that's why she keeps saying alpaca. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, now I know what you guys are into. <laughs> that's why i saved the wine kim and the fire never came that's too bad because my wine with the fire was really nice i bet it was okay day three now we're in otavalo and one of the biggest things that this place in ecuador is known for is the otavalo market where the local people have handicrafts a lot of blankets tapestries different kind of arts and crafts that they sell in this massive market every single day 
Yeah, so we got to experience the market, but I think you jumped a little bit ahead, Kim. We forgot in the morning we went to the waterfall that was in the area. I hope I'm not butchering the pronunciation of it, but I think it's called Paguche. Is that not how you say the name of the waterfall? Mm -hmm. Right. So this is, again, up in the mountains, first thing in the morning before we went to the market. We went here. Our tour guide was telling us that before the colonization by the Spaniards of Ecuador and that region, this waterfall was actually a place that the indigenous people would go, and it had some sort of spiritual purpose for them. Do you ladies remember what it was that she said that they did Yeah, it's twice a year on the summer and winter solstice. They want to honor the bad energy, bad demons, just as much as they do good because, you know, they believe that there is this contrast in the world and you have to honor it. Like yin and yang. Exactly. Dark and light. And so every year on the solstice, thousands of people come from around this area and they have a seven day party, basically. So you're drinking the chicha, you're playing music, you're dancing, and it's 24-7. And apparently it's the same song and the same dance over and over (laughs) and over again. And, And they go to this waterfall first to cleanse themselves right and then they do this party and then that is where they end the seven days as well clearing off the bad demons and so it sounded fun we weren't there during the party if we're there during the party (laughs) i'm rocking it by the way i could tell you that but the waterfall itself really beautiful this area is in a forested area has trails for you to follow that leads up to the waterfall not very far of a hike at all i would say it's probably less than half a mile round trip in and out, right, ladies? Yeah. Not very bad. So we did see the waterfall, our first waterfall sighting in Ecuador up (laughs) in the mountains, really nice. And then we did make our way to that Otavalo market. Yes, we then made it to the market. There was lots of things to buy. You could buy rugs. You could get your alpaca rug if you wanted to. That alpaca rug, Brittany's still on it. You can get (laughs) hand-woven cloths, jewelry, traditional goods. I personally bought a bookmark with a hummingbird on it because that's like the country's animal that they talked about. And I also got a magnet that we're going to turn into a Christmas ornament. You forgot to mention you and Kim got matching beanies. I can't wait to see you ladies snow bunny that aspect of those Ecuadorian beanies. Yes. And they're made out of alpaca wool on the inside. There you go. Just lay that down on the ground. (laughs) Not big enough. (laughs) Yeah, they had tons of stuff. I really wanted to get a table runner, but they didn't have the right size for my table. They have a bunch of different like little toys and music things and tapestries and shot glasses and, you know, all that kind of like souvenir type stuff. Lots of artwork. People were bargaining for hats as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's a funny thing that I learned. The Panama hat isn't from Panama. It's from Ecuador. That was a unique story. And it's became known as a Panama hat because they sold them there to avoid taxes and things of that nature. So when you see those Panama hats, they're really Ecuadorian, I guess. And there's a reason why. But uh, I don't remember the story too much to go into full detail. And I don't want to steer you guys astray. But realistically, I mean, I know you guys said that at the market, really souvenir stuff. Souvenir for us, but Otavalo really, I don't think, is a touristy area. So this is stuff and crafts that people really buy for themselves as locals to have that they need. You know, the beanies, the gloves, the tapestries, things of that nature. Tons of blankets. I was very close to buying a blanket, but I didn't end up getting one. I was very close to buying a scarf, but I did not buy one. (laughs) We had lunch here as well. After we were done shopping, we, we stumbled upon this little 
I don't even know what you would call it. A little cafeteria area? It looked, it was like a door you walk in and then it was a hallway of different food halls, it's I like guess. Their it was food, a food hall. It was basically <laughs> their food court, but not like a big food court. It had like maybe five different vendors in there. Pretty cool though. We got empanadas. These ones were made with corn instead of flour and they were so good. Bomb. It was like shredded chicken and cheese. Oh my God, they were so good. I really want one right now. I'm all about the Ecuadorian empanada. I will tell you that. I mean, they were really, really good. So that's where we had our lunch. We got to experience the waterfall, the market, but the real highlight of day three here that I think we were all super excited for way before the trip, as soon as we booked this itinerary, which by the way, we were supposed to go September of last year, got canceled because of COVID, went this year, September. So, I mean, this one was a long time coming and we were all super excited for day three tonight, which was Termas de Papayacta. So Papayacta is a city, but the resort is built around these natural thermal hot springs that mm-hmm. we got to experience at 11,000 feet up in the Andes Mountains. And my God, was this one of the highlights, if not the highlight for me of the entire trip. Yeah, I would have to agree. The scenery was so picturesque. Huge mountains, the fog everywhere, the steam coming off of the gorgeous thermal pools that were literally right outside of your door to your room. Literally. Yeah, we got there. We got some tea because it was a little chilly out. And then we immediately changed into our bathing suits and hopped right into the thermal pools right outside our rooms. Like these are right there. Quite honestly, you know, you go to a hotel and you got to walk to the pool if there's a pool area. No, no, no. I didn't have to walk anywhere. I stepped outside the porch of my hotel room and boom, there was a natural thermal pool. Now, when we say natural, this is naturally fed thermal water. Clearly, this is a resort area. They've done it up. So the pool itself is man-made, not going to lie, but that didn't take away from the ambiance of just sitting in those natural thermal waters, looking up at the mountains, the lush greenness, seeing the fog, like you said, and clouds up in there. And that was really great. But the selling point of it also was later that day, this is a resort spa area. We had a spa package treatment that we got to partake Mm -hmm. in. Yes. So we booked a spa package in advance and we had no idea what it was even going to include. <laughs> we were just like, sign us up. Spa package? Yes. actually thought that we were going to have to go outside of the hotel. Like that's, that was my initial thought. So I didn't know what was really included. But when we got to the spa, we learned that it was a 30 minute soak in the thermal pools, a 20 minute experience in the steam room, and then a 30 minute massage. Neck and back massage. And it was amazing. And in between, they would give us like these waters or juices and there was a tea tea and areas to relax. So it was a whole experience. You were there for like an hour and a half. They also gave us robes, plastic sandals, and a gorgeous shower cap. I mean, I I usually don't look at hats, but I'm not going to lie. I rocked that uh, (laughs) spa cap to the point of what I was going to say is that this is a real spa experience. There's locker rooms, there's robes, there's massage tables. They even give you the locker keys that you need to hold on to. The steam room, they had a whole bunch of eucalyptus in there. So you're breathing in natural steam plus the healing properties of the eucalyptus for your lungs. Really cleansing. This was a true spa experience that we enjoyed out here. And honestly, one of my favorite days, if not my favorite. As we get further on into the trip, maybe one day I'm going to say it was my favorite. Also, it's competing, but this was a really fun experience at Termas de Papaya. I wish we had more time yes. here because I could have used another day to soak and lounge and get another massage and enjoy another spa package. Yeah. And you know, that is, I guess, pros and cons of guided tours. The con is that you're on a pre-created tour. So even though we would have liked to see another day, that's not what the tour had in store for us. So 
Unfortunately, we didn't. But when we go back for the Galapagos, we'll be staying here again. Absolutely. Definitely. I would specifically come to Termas de Papayacta, even if we went back to Ecuador to just go to the Galapagos. Yes. I would come spend some more time out here. Totally. But before we move on from day three and this awesome experience, I just want to throw a shout out to the awesome food that we actually had here at this resort for dinner after our spa treatment. I, well, all of us, except for you, Kim, ended up getting the local trout, which here in the United States, I don't get trout because I know it's usually stocked in the lake. Whereas over there, I know it's natural. It was so, so good. But you ended up, what did you get? You got the pesto pasta, which was really, really good. Yeah. And let me tell you this. I'm not even just saying this. You know, when you go to other countries, Italian food can sometimes be like, eh, you got that. I was wondering what it was going to be. I tried yours. And I think that was maybe one of the top three pestos I've ever tasted in my life at this resort here in the Andes Mountains. So unsuspecting, they but really good. They also had, this place was famous for their quinoa soup, and it was so fucking good. Oh my God, it was so good. You know how I know it was good? Brittany liked it, and she doesn't like quinoa. Whoa, you don't like quinoa? <laughs> I think quinoa is okay. I think people overhype it. Yeah, it's overhyped for sure, and I don't like it cold. So it was really good in the soup. It was really good. It was like a brothy vegetable quinoa soup. It had some cheese in it. Oh my God, it was so good. And you know, we haven't really talked a lot about food in Ecuador outside of the empanadas, which are everything of the sort. But in Ecuador, a lot of the food is meat and vegetables. And it's like broccoli and zucchini mm-hmm. or potatoes. And or yuca. Yuca, but a lot of steak or chicken or turkey or fish. Even guinea pig. With the vegetables, right? You know, we've been having steaks and trout and all of the stuff that was really, really good. So the pesto pasta was really nice refresher. Actually, everything we ate in Ecuador was amazing. It really was. Even this weird hot dog plate I got. It, was, it said sausage and fries. Oh, yeah. We forgot. To, that was at the, the, equ- the, the equator. equator. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sausage and fries. And it turned out to be some sort of fancy roasted hot dog. With it looks fries. like a hot dog with like the ends turned out on it, but it tasted really good. <laughs> so we were really sad to say goodbye to Dermas de Papayacta, but we were leaving to head to the Amazon, which we were all super, super excited about. And when we arrived to the Amazon, we actually had to get off the bus and onto these motorized canoes to get to our hotel. The portion of the Amazon that we went to was called La Punta Ajuano on the Napo River. And this is one of the many rivers that feeds into the large main Amazon, but it was definitely Amazon vibes out there. Yeah, so the Napo River doesn't have the name Amazon, but this is one of the first trip tributary rivers that actually feeds into the start of the Amazon. So you could say that the Amazon River really starts with the Napo River at that point. No piranhas. Uh, No piranhas. Yes. So where (laughs) we were at, we were at an elevation of a thousand feet above sea level. And so most of the Amazon is at sea level. So our local guides that we had out there, because our tour guide, Giovanna, she stayed with us, but in certain places we have localized guides and we had some there and they were telling us, you know, at this level at a thousand feet, we're not really going to find piranhas in the water. Water, caimans, which are kind of like the South American versions of alligators. If you don't know what a caiman is, it was basically like an alligator, but smaller. smaller. And he even said no jaguars at this level. They're usually in the lowlands. So the wildlife that we could have seen was monkeys, sloths. We'll get to the point where we did see a monkey on a hike, or some of us did. It was very well camouflaged, but we did end up seeing some sort of wildlife in that respect on it. But, you know, we're at the edge of the Amazon itself, just getting into it. So you can see the highlands of the Andes Mountains, and we're just right at the foot getting into the Amazon. 
and riding those canoes with all those trees around us on the river. You could see all the lush greenery, the canopies of the trees, and then we round the corner of the Napo River, and then you could just see our resort on the edge of the cliff overlooking, and it just got me so freaking excited to come up to that and be like, wow, we're going to stay at this lodge on the river here in the Amazon. Crazy. It was a really amazing property. When you get there, you have to get off the canoe. Then you go up a whole bunch of stairs. It's uphill because you're on the side of a cliff. But amazing views when you get to the top. You have the pool and the bar overlooking the Amazon. You go to your hotel room and there's no window to your hotel. The hotel faces out towards the Amazon. There's just a big screen. Then there's a balcony with a huge hammock laying out. And you just hear all of the sounds of the Amazon, the running water, the birds, the insects, everything. And it's just like so serene to be there. I initially thought, oh shit, there's no AC. There's no windows. It's going to be hot as hell. But there's a really big fan in there. It actually kept it really cool. I had no problem sleeping. I was really concerned when we had showed up because I feel like online, if I remember correctly, what I saw of the hotel that Gatewood had shown for that, I remember seeing an AC. And then we get there and then, like you said, no windows in the sense of they're not glass. It's just screen that's put up to have an opening so you get the breeze, but obviously keep the insects out. But at night, it cooled down really well. I think if you got deeper into the Amazon, that probably wouldn't fly. But I think we're at that kind of mid-level just getting in, but in enough that in the evening it cooled down really, really nice and made it quite enjoyable to sleep hearing all that. And I enjoyed the fact that there was no windows, quite honestly. Yeah, you woke up to the sounds of birds and the water. It was really, really nice. Yeah, we actually didn't have cell service in our rooms and there was no Wi-Fi in the rooms. So after dinner at night, I would go out onto the balcony lay in the hammock and just like take in all the sounds and the sights and it was just really nice to relax it's really nice to wake up to that the sun's rising the sounds are getting louder really really nice it's very peaceful and serene but i also other than how cool the rooms were really enjoyed the resort area had the pool in the center had the bar the bar was an open bar it's not like it's a closed in building i mean you have a little roof over you but you're sitting out on this deck area really amazing ambiance all around so when we first got to the hotel we enjoyed our experience exploring it getting drinks having lunch but then our first day in the amazon we got back on those canoes and we rode to a little island not too far away where there's actually still an indigenous tribe that lives there so our tour took us to their homes and pretty much showed us the daily life of the indigenous people that still live out there in the amazon and what an experience that is well what an experience even getting there because they told us you're going to need to get some boots. So we all had to go down to this room, pick out boots in our size, get on the canoe with these boots, life vests, everything, canoe over. And then we had to transfer canoes. Like we had to take a canoe and then we got to a piece of land. We had to cross the land and then take another canoe. But on that piece of land in the middle, we had to cross some like mud and sand. And (laughs) this is where the boots came in hand because it was like quicksand almost we almost lost Zena to quicksand <laughs> yeah Zena almost <laughs> fell into it you know I had stepped into it but didn't really fall and realize oh shit and I went around and yet I don't know why the majority of people still continued on that straight path that I had avoided and was falling into it but that area that we had to get off on that had the quicksand is pretty much a little sandbar so the river elevation at that point was rather low so normally if it's a little bit higher we could just get right to where we need to go and exit but it wasn't the case the river 
was a little bit low. So we had to stop at that sandbar. And then from that sandbar, I had to catch other non-motorized canoes that would take us in that little shallow stretch across instead of wading through in the boot. So we got to experience that little aspect because the river was a little bit low. But just seeing and experiencing how people in this world, specifically indigenous people in the Amazon, still live is quite humbling. I mean, they've learned how to live that lifestyle over thousands of years. They know exactly what to use to burn to keep mosquitoes away, exactly what plant does this to make them feel better in a certain situation, how to hunt and make blow dart guns to hunt game. And we got to see them do that. I mean, it's crazy, really unique, humbling experience to see how people still live and let alone want to live in this world. Do you remember what they burnt as mosquito repellent? I think it was part of a termite mound or nest. Yes, yes, it was. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, if you're out in nature and want to keep mosquitoes away, find a termite nest and burn that. What I thought was really interesting as we were learning about the Quechua community is that, yeah, they still live in these dirt floor kind of like huts that they make. They sleep in hammocks as a family. They have just one big stove in the middle of their home. They don't wear shoes. You know, they live off the land still. They don't have electricity. They don't have refrigerators. But yet to go to school, they still send their kids on a canoe into the main town to log on to virtual school because they're not attending school due to COVID. And so it's the, the cross between the modern world and the indigenous old way of life. It was so interesting. It was also interesting to know that there is electricity on the island. Like one point they did adapt that there, but the people who ended up getting refrigerators ended up realizing like they don't need them. They don't use them in that way. But what they have held on to is televisions. Like that is their Everyone form. loves TV. <laughs> I love TV. Who doesn't love TV? But the island we went to was called Anaconda Island. There's about 60 families that live on the island as well. And there's no bathrooms. So you have to go in the river, near the river to help wash it away. And another interesting thing that we learned was there's no intimacy in the houses. The houses are for the family. So if you want to be intimate, you have the to forest. find... Find that alpaca rug. <laughs> <laughs> Lay that alpaca rug down and find your place in the Amazon forest. Very, very interesting. Just don't lay your rug down in the same place someone just laid down their bathroom experience. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. So from there, we learned a lot about the community and we went back to the hotel to try some local foods. They were sampling things out like tilapia and then also a larva. Do you guys remember that? How can we forget? <laughs> so they had some different things that we could try and they brought out this live larva, two of them actually, and they were like big juicy Ugh. rubs, like Lion King status, Ugh. you know, when they pull up the tree trunk and then there's like grubs just They were huge there. and squirmy. And then they say like, does anyone want to try them? And, you know, I thought there were definitely going to be some takers on the trip to try it. No one was going for it. And so one of the locals picks one of the grubs up, the larvas, he holds it above his mouth and he just bites the head off and eats it whole and alive. And then she was like, we have one more. Anyone else? And so I was like, okay, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. It's so funny because I've mentioned this many times before is like I can look at Brittany's face and know when she's contemplating doing something or having some serious FOMO on her face. And I looked over and I was like, I can't believe she has this much amount of FOMO of like, should I fucking eat this thing or not? But she got up, volunteered and chomped the shit out of that. Didn't she, Brittany? I sure did. <laughs> Kim got a really, really great video from like the moment I picked it up, to putting it in my mouth, chomping off the head and then me saying it's juicy 
As <laughs> <laughs> I still had a mouthful of so the nasty. Bug. But see, what's funny is there was two of them, and you know, I guess Brittany was under the assumption that other people would volunteer. When she was done eating it, she asked her tour guide how many people really eat that, and she said not very many people, if at all. But I didn't want to eat it necessarily, not because it was a bug, but something about me just killing something that's alive, even though I do eat meat. However, they did have those bugs and larvae that were cooked to try as some of the local cuisine. And I knew that I was going to eat the cooked version of it. And let me tell you something. The cooked version was bomb. Really, really good. Liked it a lot. Barbecued, had a nice little char flavor to it. So I was like, I don't need to try the live version. But Brittany was the hero of our tour. Everybody from then on out called Brittany the bug lady. (laughs) (laughs) One person came up to me after I was done eating it and was like, you're my hero. Oh my God. But they're a lot smaller once you barbecue them up. Like They really shrink. They were very juicy when they're alive and wiggly. But they say it's a delicacy and it's good for your health. And I've never felt better. Well, that's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, day five is a full day in the Amazon. This was the only day on this trip that we woke up and went to bed in the same place. Every other day we're go, 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 bus riding all around. Today was all for the Amazon. So we got to sleep in for like 15 extra minutes, of course. And we didn't have to pack our bags. But <laughs> that was the most it, exciting thing. <laughs> you know, as much as I love Gate 1 and guided tours, I wish sometimes we had more time to stay in a hotel because I hate having to pull and pack a suitcase every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. I could live out of a suitcase as much as I don't really like to do that, I'd like to unpack, but to pack every day is kind of an annoying thing. So this was an enjoyable aspect of waking up. And what a great way to wake up, hearing the river, hearing the birds chirping in the morning, still hearing that faint little bit of the insects kind of die off because the day is approaching. I mean, what a serene, beautiful, natural way to wake up. But what did we do day five, ladies? We took another canoe again to another island and we went to the Misi Chocha private nature reserve and we did a two hour hike in the Amazon rainforest. I guess you could call it a hike because we were stomping around and going uphill and downhill, but it was such a slow pace because every so often we would stop and we learn about this tree or this plant or this frog that looks just like a leaf on the floor of the forest. So it was a lot of education, but it was all really interesting stuff. Yeah, very fascinating. What I really liked about this aspect of our tour is so the hotel that we stayed at was the Casa de Suezo, which is the house of the Swiss. And so this is a big resort in this area of the Ecuadorian Amazon. So they themselves have purchased this land of that nature reserve that we had gone to. So nobody can venture and experience this area of the Amazon except for us or people staying at that resort because it's their own private land that they have in there. But they don't develop it. They obviously keep it really, really natural. So again, we take that canoe ride, we get there, we start our tour, and our tour guides who are locals to the area tell us all about the Amazon, you know, certain types of trees, what they're actually used for, how to tell this leaf is good for this type of medicinal purpose or this or that and coming across wildlife. Like you said, those frogs. At one point, we came across a monkey that was very, very well camouflaged. Did any of you ladies see it? I know Brittany told me she didn't see it. Were you able to see it? No, you could just see the trees rustling around and 
movement, but not. I didn't see the movement. So it was hard for me to see because I was at the tail end with Zayna and CJ as you guys were kind of moving forward because you remember they told us, hey, stop, it's there, mm-hmm. be quiet so we could see. And I thought I saw it as you guys had moved forward, but I was like, no, no, that's too camouflaged. Monkeys don't camouflage like that. But CJ took a photo with his camera and with his camera obviously was able to really zoom in on it. And then he's like, oh, here's the monkey see. And then in the photo, you could see it really well. Like, oh my God, this is definitely like a monkey. So I was like, that is it. And so then when I looked, it obviously pieced it together better for me. Like, yeah, that's the monkey. So it's disappointing <laughs> that you ladies didn't get to see it, but so unique to really learn about how the forest really provides everything. And they kept stressing that, like this type of tree is good for this. This leaf is good for that. You get bit by a snake. This leaf, if you chew it and put on your skin, will kind of draw the poison out. If you get cut, this one will coagulate your blood so that you stop bleeding as fast. I'm just like, look at all this natural medicine that's out here in the rainforest. So crazy. Yeah, so we learned a lot. It was very, very educational. But there were also some fun points along this hike as well. Like there was a little basket zip line. It's like one person in the basket and you sit in it and it's a little zip line across to get to the other side. It was really fun to do and you're closed in so it feels safe. And then there is also a suspension bridge that you have to cross and you're crossing pretty much one person at a time as well. But those were really fun, thrilling things along the hike as well as the educational pieces. Yeah. And those were things that they had to put in because it wasn't like, hey, let's just put this in for fun. I mean, we needed that suspension bridge to pass the ravine and we needed the zip line basket in order to pass another ravine. So they put these in here specifically for the need of it, but such a unique and fun experience to be sprinkled in there with the hike. And then once the hike wrapped up, this is when the fun really got started. So some of the trees they have out there makes this balsa wood. It's very light and floats really well. They make rafts out of these balsa wood planks. And then instead of taking the canoe back, we just hopped on the raft and started floating down the Napo River. Oh my God, that was so much fun. So they made three different rafts. There was about seven to eight people per raft. And we had a really fun raft. It was like the four of us, Kim, myself, Jamal, Zaina, and then CJ and Billy, who were two guys near our age. They were really fun. And then we had another couple on the raft too, I think, and Jen. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so uh, we got to just float down. And then the guide says, you know, if you want, you can jump into the river and you can swim alongside the raft. And so a lot of us got off the raft and we did that because like what other time can you actually say you've gotten in a river in the Amazon so we thought that was really cool but it was just really scenic and really beautiful and just nice to float down the river. Yeah, I enjoyed this aspect of the day a lot. Like Brittany said, what other opportunity do you have to really float down a tributary to the Amazon River? Let alone in a spot where you don't really have to worry about what's going to be in there. I don't need to worry about being in an Ice Cube and J-Lo movie and having an anaconda come up and chomp me <laughs> or caimans or piranhas or anything like that. We were at a good spot where they're like, no, 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 it's really safe to actually get in the water. Don't worry about it. And so serene to just float next to the raft and just make our way back to the hotel that way. And one of my favorite times or experiences of the entire trip, right up there with Termas de Papayacta. Well, we actually didn't float all the way down to the hotel. They actually got to a point where 
they put our canoes right next to the raft and we had to hop from the raft back into the canoe because there are rapids right next to the hotel that aren't safe for us to go through on the raft. So that's what we had to do, which was very interesting because we transferred midwater from the raft into the canoe. So then we we got back to our hotel. We had our nice lunch there. Every day we ate there. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner was a nice buffet spread. Buffet spread. It was amazing. (laughs) And then after lunch, we packed up again because we had afternoon excursions planned for the jungle. Yeah, so Jamal, myself, and Zaina, we went to the Canopy Adventure Park. And Kim was originally booked on this as well, but she decided to book a different tour, more suited for her. But at the Canopy Adventure Park, we had to take a truck ride to the base of a mountain, hike 20 minutes up to the mountain, and then there was an obstacle course in the canopies that they've built. And so you have to be harnessed in, you're strapped in, you learn all about the safety of the harnesses, and you go through two different obstacle courses. A lot of fun. Like there's a zip line. It's like a ropes course almost where although you're strapped in, you're like suspended high in the trees and you have to cross like a bridge or you have to jump from one side of a plank to another or there's a whole bunch of ropes that you have to like untangle yourself within. So it was a lot of fun and I definitely got bruised up, but it was an experience for sure. It was definitely a fun experience. So this afternoon portion here with the Canopy Adventure Park that we did, what Kim's going to talk about later that she did, there was another option also. These were paid on options that you could do that weren't included with the tour, but were at a reasonable price to add on. Otherwise, if you didn't do anything, you're staying back at the resort, which is a great option also because the resort is really, really awesome. But you talked a little bit about what we got to do in the Canopy Adventure Park, Brittany. You didn't talk about the chaos that ensued when we first got there. After we made our way to the top of the mountain, you got a beautiful overlook of the Amazon area. You could see the river. They had this one nice deck area that they built, which is where we're really supposed to sit and suit up into our harnesses. Obviously, you know, we're up there. I know it's the Amazon. I'm looking around. I don't see anything. I think, okay, we're all fine. You know, we're good. We can sit down here and do it. And so everybody did. And then all of a sudden, we start hearing Zaina and Billy panicking and screaming a little bit. And we're like, what, what's going on? All of a sudden, they disrupted some sort of bullet ant nest. <laughs> and then the bullet ants start coming out all over the place, Whoa. all over the deck, like biting them, getting on everybody's backpacks and harnesses. And so it was a whole debacle for a little bit there, really avoiding it. Because it's not like, oh, these are just ants. These are really big ants. And if they bite you, they really fucking hurt. Like you do not want them to bite you. So that was our little ordeal. But eventually we got out of that area. Ants went away and we were good to get up into the trees. But you got to be careful up in those trees because those ants are in those trees too. So if you put your hand on the wrong spot, you could get bit while you're doing that ropes course also. When I realized what it was that we booked, I knew immediately I was going to change it. I didn't even know what it was we booked. I don't like heights. I don't like adrenaline things. I don't enjoy that stuff. So when I found out it was like a ropes course up in the air, I'm not interested. And I really wanted to see wild animals. So there were several different options you could pick. And so I switched it to the animal rescue, which was out in the jungle that also came with a visit to a cacao farm. So my experience was much more pleasant. We left at the same time. We put boots on. We went in the canoe. I thought we were going to like a zoo, but we actually just went out into the jungle and we hiked up the mountain and it was all outdoors, just a nature walk where you're walking around. Some animals are in cages, some are not. But when we first got there, 
There's monkeys everywhere, wild monkeys in all the trees, little squirrel monkeys, bigger monkeys everywhere, just fling, fling, fling. Like everywhere you looked like we couldn't stop taking pictures. They were just everywhere. So that was really cool. And then we got to go around and see the parrots and the tapirs and the caimans and monkeys that were in cages that were hurt or they were trying to rehabilitate for some reason. So that was a really fun experience. I even saw wild jungle turtles. That's awesome. Jungle turtles. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Big tortoises that were in the wild and then some in this big enclosure with water and stuff. So that was exciting. And then after that, we took another canoe to the cacao farm. And so we thought we're going to a chocolate factory. But that was very dumb to think we're in the middle of the Amazon. We're not going to a factory. It was actually just more of the Quechua's people's homes where they were making this. So they actually grow the chocolate plant there. They showed us what it looks like when you open it up, the whole process it takes from roasting it to cracking it to boiling it. She made a nice chocolate fondue right there with us. Yum. Chocolate fondue. Yes. This is the first time I'm hearing about this. What? You, yeah. You talked about the animal rescue, but I feel like summarizing the trip when we did our stuff, I don't remember you telling us about this. She told me about it. She got chocolate on her jeans. Oh, nice. Well, see, you heard the story. I didn't hear the story. I'm enthralled by your chocolate fondue situation. Yeah. So the same day before we went to see the Quechua community, we were in their home with the big stove in the middle. Same situation we were at at the cacao farm. And I actually got to grind up the beans myself in the hand grinder. It looked like a little meat grinder. And then we cook it right there on the stove, add some sugar, add some plant that was like a lemon plant. You squish it up and it brings out the fragrance. Very nice. Then she brought out a platter of fruits and... We got to dip the fruits in the chocolate and have some of their tea, the chicha tea that they make. Very nice. Yes, it was amazing. Like the alcoholic one? You guys got it to try that? It wasn't alcoholic, though. No, it wasn't. Okay. And I shouldn't say alcoholic, the fermented one. Yeah, no. It, I think it was one I only ferment a short time. A two-day ferment situation. Yes, not a one-week. <laughs> but it was great. And everyone was going wild for the chocolate. And what was actually interesting, because like we said, this was the first route of this tour in almost two years since COVID. So they were testing out some things that they could possibly sell to tourists that were coming through. And they had ground up a bunch of the cacao beans and had them in small jars. There was only four of them. And those went so fast. Like there were tons of people in this tour that wanted it. They didn't get it in time. And they had plenty of things to say about that. But they were selling them for five bucks and it was a little jar of raw cacao and they were like we were just testing this to see if people would want it we don't have any more and basically now they're going to be making a lot more of those because they know how much people want it did you get your hands on it no i didn't and i wasn't going for it either but it was funny to see some of the couples oh, well, you know who i'm talking oh, about uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know i was gonna say you don't even need to say it i mean with every tour there's always that one person or a couple that's kind of i don't want to say the problematic one but they give uh, americans a bad name yeah yes. that's it and i know exactly who you're talking about <laughs> right now without throwing out any names this couple definitely provides some entertainment but From a little day one embarrassment as well absolutely <laughs> well i'm glad you had a really good time at the cacao farm and the rescue because now that you've gone more in depth sounds really cool if i were to ever go back i'd probably pick that excursion over the canopy <laughs> <laughs> i will say that but i did have fun at the canopy tour so after all of this we ended up meeting back
back at the hotel. Jamal, myself, Zaina got back to the hotel a little bit earlier than Kim and we immediately got into the hotel pool and we swam because it was really hot out. Kim joined us at the pool later and then we had a cocktail provided by Gate One before dinner. Then we had an amazing dinner, probably one of the best meals we had at this hotel. The mushroom cream chicken was so I don't even like mushrooms and I liked it. It was so good. And then we had a drink with dinner and then they invited us for another cocktail at the bar after dinner and then they invited an indigenous family who sang and danced for us. That was really cool. And it was a total surprise to us that that was going to happen. And it was like 10 young women, 10 young men, and then the shaman family leader. And so it was really cool, the native music and dancing. And they even pulled us up on the dance floor with us. They were popping confetti. Jamal was getting down on the dance floor. Oh, yeah. You know me. (laughs) (laughs) It was really fun and really cool. Yeah. And then at the end, he did the healing energy. Oh, yes. So he is a shaman and there's this tree that they use. I can't remember what it's called, but when you think of it in modern terms, you could think of like a hand duster, but it's actually a tree with leaves and you shake it around and it makes a noise. Zaina was actually one of the volunteers that went up there and he would like run it down her body and go and like clean it away. It would move it out of her body and he went all over her body and made noises and did a little ceremonial thing and it was really cool. Yeah, I wish I would have actually participated in that. But it was a perfect way to end out our time in the Amazon. From there, we went to bed and then we led into day six, which we left the Amazon and we headed to Baños. One of the biggest draws of Baños is another waterfall, the El Pilon del Diablo. It's the biggest waterfall in Ecuador. It's totally massive. It's a total tourist attraction. There was a ton of people here, but I think it's worth it to face the crowds because as you hike down the cobblestone path toward the bottom of the waterfall, just gorgeous views. It's just towering down. It's definitely worth the experience to go see it. Yeah. And you have to cross the suspension bridge to get to some of the farther down path. And it's crazy just the amount of people on the suspension bridge, but the views that you're getting at the same time is quite the experience. There's more than one entrance into this waterfall area. So there's one area where you can get to that there's so much water coming off of the waterfall. It's just drenching and soaking people. I don't know if you guys looked down and saw the people in ponchos that were like getting <laughs> yes. completely drenched and we're like, how do we get to that area? But you have to get there from the other side. So there are different ways into where the waterfall is, but definitely worth checking out. Very beautiful cobblestone trail, suspension bridge, and views of the waterfall. The waterfall itself is quite impressive. I enjoyed this experience very, very much. It is crowded, so that is the one drawback. And then they do say that no more than 50 people should be on the suspension bridge at a time. It looked and felt like a lot more than 50 people were on it. They weren't regulating it, but we took photos and apparently the girls did a count and realistic there was never more than 50 people on it yet when we were there i swear it felt like there was at least 70 to 80 people on it but we've done the count from our photos and it looks like we were within regulation but still a little (laughs) nerve-wracking to go that way from the direction which we did which was at the top of the falls down we didn't do the second entrance which was starting at the down and getting to the base but it was still pretty cool to see from our side and we definitely enjoyed the el pilon del diablo waterfall But after that, we did get to go more to the downtown Banos area. 
We had a plan specifically, which was to go to this one place a little bit outside of Banos, which is famous in Ecuador for having that swing mm-hmm. that goes over the cliff's edge that you can do. And our plan, because we asked our tour guide, will we have enough time in Banos to go there? She said, oh, yes. You know, we could take a taxi ride. It's 20, 25 minutes. And then we can do that and come back. But we were delayed for other reasons. So our time in Banos was limited. And we didn't get to go do that one scenic swing experience in Ecuador. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Ecuadorian swing, and I promise you it's going to come up. It's here on the outskirts of Banos. So that was a little disappointing that we didn't get to experience that. And, you know, one thing our guide mentioned was Banos, people think of bathrooms, but it's also for bathing. And so this area is known for like the thermal baths in the area and people coming there to take thermal baths. So don't think Banos like bathrooms, dirty, gross, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a beautiful waterfall that cascades right at the edge of the city. So you can walk up to it from the street. You can go there and put the water on you. They actually have the baths out there so that you can drench yourself with the water because it is something culturally that's supposed to be cleansing for them and has a specific purpose in terms of the natives and the indigenous people before the Spanish even came. So really famous for that also. So from there, we headed to Patate Hacienda Litho. And this is another very beautiful resort hotel that we stayed at. Very beautiful backdrop, gorgeous views of a volcano in the distance, fireplaces in every room. This time we actually got the fireplace lit. Got a lit this time. And they had in the bathrooms, these really deep bathtubs. All of the girls took a bath. I enjoyed my Mm -hmm. bath with a glass of wine. Really, really relaxing. Bubble bath. They also put the bolsas de agua caliente in the bed. So that was amazing as well. And the property was just absolutely gorgeous. So we really enjoyed our time at this property. But this (laughs) hacienda was really cool. Again, we're high up in the Andes. We have a beautiful view of a volcano when the clouds want to be nice to us and we can actually see it. But this hacienda was originally built in the 1600s. Now, it has had issues where it's been needed to be refurbished a couple times. So certain areas of it is not as old as the 1600s. But that just gives you a time period piece of what this hacienda looks like really old 1600 style architecture and an amazing experience and backdrop to be in high in the Andes Mountains. And this was one of the final nights that we had and a really nice final place to stay before we headed back to Quito, which was our last day. But one thing that I really enjoyed about this night in particular was the whole ambiance of it because in Baños, we got wine and then we had nothing to do in that area except enjoy our time at the Hacienda. And it was nice to just open that bottle of wine with everybody else who bought bottles or had alcohol and just sit and relax and enjoy the courtyard area, the scenery, amazing time and experience. Yeah, I was going to say that too. And I think that's also something really cool about Gate One Tours is you're traveling with a group of 30 people for eight days. So you get to know these people, you're talking to them every day, you're hanging out with them. So you start to make friends. And I really, really enjoyed that drinking our bottle of wine on the deck of the Hacienda with a group of new friends. That was really nice. So moving on to our last day here, day seven, this is on Sunday. We left Patate and started to head back to Quito. But heading back to Quito, we had a few stops that we made. One of them was to an indigenous community that are actually said to be descendants of the Incas. So this is a non-touristy place, but we passed it along the way. And we met up with somebody who showed us how they live. So it's not like the indigenous people in the Amazon region, but these are indigenous people that really didn't have a lot of Spanish colonial 
influence and again descendants of the Incans and how they really farm and live their lives out in these rural areas of Ecuador. So it was a really unique experience to get to go see that. And we worked our way also to a rose plantation. And apparently this is something that I learned new. Ecuador is a big rose producer. Roses are not indigenous to Ecuador, but they thrive in that climate. So they grow a lot of the roses that you see today everywhere throughout the world. Is it that they thrive in the climate because there's greenhouses all over the country that are meant for growing these roses? Yeah, a lot of places have greenhouses. It's not like it's outside, but I remember her saying something specifically also about the climate. The sunshine. Yeah, like even though they are grown in greenhouses, like it still thrives in the type of climate that they have. Yes. And the one we got to tour was called Rose Success. And it was really cool to learn like, you know, how roses are grown and see all the pretty roses and stuff. There were so many roses. But what's crazy is that they produce the world's roses. And so for Valentine's Day, they go crazy with production. And they told us like how they stop growth or speed up growth for different holidays or like the royal weddings. When they have events, they get all their roses from Ecuador and different preferences from different countries. And then it's three tiny days between getting roses from Ecuador's farm all the way to wherever it's going in the world. Yeah. And I think that's really why roses are expensive because they were telling us how much it would cost to buy roses a dozen in Ecuador. And it's not even over like $3, like really, really cheap. But I think when you buy roses, they're expensive because Mm -hmm. they have that short lifespan window of how many days it can really sit in transit before they start. I don't want to say to go bad because there's still a shelf life by the time they get to their destination, but realistically three days. So I think the expense of your roses is the cost of shipping to Mm -hmm. get there, which is a completely unique thought to me, but obviously makes sense. Yeah. We also, while we were in the greenhouses, they showed us like, okay, a worker would be assigned these rows. And so they would know all of the roses in these rows. And if there's any problems, they have to submit the problem and then they would troubleshoot what's going on from like afar and then like dump in treatments or fertilizers into the line to feed those specific roses and they were telling us how like the Asian countries prefer really bright colored roses with short stems where like in the Ukraine and Russia they prefer very 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 long stem roses like you know several feet going to the perfume industry they want the really smelly roses. roses Yeah, so we learned a lot about roses. (laughs) Well, it's not even just roses. I think it's really unique to get any sort of background on an industry because we're all consumers of certain things, but really to see how something's made and the process behind it, regardless if it's roses or anything else, I think is always a unique experience to just kind of learn about it and was fascinating. And we kind of made our way back to keto. We had to get a COVID test, but they had that all set up in the, again, Hilton Cologne Keto where we were staying. So that was really super convenient. Convenient. The blackberry juice was also good as we came back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had a farewell dinner with everyone that we toured with for the last eight days. Yeah, that was really nice. Like unlimited wine, which was cool. <laughs> and then a, again, a three course meal with an app, a main and a dessert. dessert. And Billy and CJ, who came on this trip with us, they had bought tequila and they knew that they couldn't bring the bottle home because it was already open. So they brought it to dinner and they were asking our tour guide, Giovanna, have you ever had this type of tequila? She had never had it. So they're like, we need a shot glass. We need some lime, (laughs) some salt. So they brought some stuff out for her and he poured her a stiff pour because they actually didn't bring out a shot glass for her. They ended up pouring it into a wine glass. And so he poured at least three shots worth in that wine glass of some Don Julio Blanco (laughs) so she tries it she goes oh 
That's so strong. And she goes, okay, I'm ready for it again. And she takes another <laughs> shot. And then they ended up bringing out a whole bunch of shot glasses. So at the very end of the night, we're all taking shots with her and the rest of the tour. Kim didn't take a shot though, of course, but neither did Jamal. I, it started to not feel well. So that's why I didn't take a mm-hmm. shot at that point in time. Well, I simply just don't take shots. So that's untrue. We took shots in Mexicali. Yeah, but I don't also. like shots. I, it's not my thing. So it was really fun. Perfect way to end up the evening and say goodbye to everyone. It was a really great trip. Yeah, some people had to leave that night. As a matter of fact, to the airport, we were some of the fortunate ones that we were able to sleep. And by sleep, I'm talking about three and a half, four hours before our early wake up call to get to the airport. So Monday was our departure day home. But all around, I just want to say the Ecuador Gate One experience was really fun, really unique. I enjoyed Ecuador a lot, learned a lot and great place for scenic beauty really really awesome i'm super happy with our trip like i would definitely go back to ecuador i have only great things to say about ecuador i would highly encourage anybody to visit there especially if you're doing a gate one tour i'm a big fan of ecuador was it just like peru and it wasn't just like peru because yes they have the indigenous people and it's i felt like the indigenous communities were more in the communities that we were in versus out everywhere in the city like they are in peru the food was different even though there were some similarities so some similarities but very very different as well in the jungle we didn't go to the jungle in peru and so it was nice it was really really nice So I know we've kept you guys for a long time. We have a little bit more. It's Kim's favorite time of the week. We'd be remiss if we didn't add this part on. So questions of the week. All right. We have two questions coming in. We asked on our Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast, what questions do you want to know about Ecuador? And we got a few good ones. So Charlie and Liam are asking our first question and they're asking, what was the most offbeat destination you went to that you'd recommend? But I think we know the answer to this one. Definitely the jungle because, you know, when you think of off the beaten path, this is the only place we didn't have good Wi-Fi connection or any cell phone data at all. And then just being out there where the local people are still very much living off the land, very much off the beaten path. Yeah, I would say definitely the jungle for sure. I mean, if you were to just cruise down that river, maybe you'd see indigenous people as you make your way into Brazil and certain areas. But I mean, quite honestly, going from where we were, if you were to just take that east, you could probably encounter nobody along the river also. So Mm -hmm. I mean, that's off the beaten path. Like that's the start of the beginning of nothing but jungle all the way to the ocean and the complete opposite side from the Pacific to the Atlantic. And then Jamie Lynn is asking... Do you need to be in good physical condition to take this trip? So I would say no, not really. I mean, yes, you have to be active, but we also had one of the participants on the trip. She was 83 years old and she really rocked it. She was, I mean, she was definitely on a lot of the hikes that we went on. She was out exploring in the jungle. She didn't do some of the more active things, but that was a good thing is that you could back out of something if you didn't want to do it. She was definitely an inspiration. Quite honestly, when I'm 83 years old, I hope I'm traveling just like her still. She not only was 83, but she was solo on this trip and she had just gotten there from another trip a week in Colombia. Damn. So she was killing it. I want to be her. I want to be her. When and I'm obviously angry. she was a little fragile and, and sat out of some of the things, but she just had the local tour guides in the jungle who were young, strong men who were guiding her along the hikes and stuff. And I mean, she did everything pretty much. 
definitely active, but definitely doable unless you have some sort of condition that makes it so that you can't walk for a long distance or do something like that. Yeah. The only thing I was thinking is if you were in a wheelchair. I feel like even in Europe, it would be hard to find places that are like wheelchair friendly or ADA compliant. So. All right, squaddies. That's our episode for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please keep the adventures with us by following us on Instagram and YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast and send us in your questions of the week. If you found the information in this episode to be useful or or if you thought we were just plain funny, please be sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. And as always, guys, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, squaddies. Bye. Bye.